Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. We'd like to take a second to thank our sponsor, Mauser Electronics. Not only does Mauser stock the world's widest selection of semiconductors and electronic components, they also offer an original content series called Empowering Innovation Together. Each month, EIT takes a deep dive into the hottest tech trends, and this month the focus is on AI and edge computing. Check out podcasts, articles, infographics, video, and more at mauser.com slash empowering dash innovation. What's up, Internet? And welcome back to the Engadget Podcast. I'm senior editor Devendra Hardwar. I'm reviews editor Sherlyn Lowe. This week, billionaires in space. Oi, oi, oi. Say it like pigs in space. Uh, and Windows in the cloud. We'll be chatting about the new space race between Virgin Galactic and uh, Jeff Bezos's Blue Origins. We have a special guest on. And uh, we'll be chatting about Microsoft's new service, uh, Windows 365, Windows in the cloud. Kind of crazy. There's a lot to dive into there. As always, if you're enjoying the Engadget podcast, please be sure to subscribe on your podcatcher of choice. Leave us a review on iTunes and uh, drop us an email at podcast at Engadget.com. You can also find us every Thursday on the Engadget YouTube channel, typically around 10 a.m. Eastern, where we live stream the show. So you could chat with us. We'll do some Q&A with the audience. And uh, that's always fun. So it's a fun, interactive experience. Join us if you can. So last weekend, Richard Branson, the founder of Virgin Galactic, touched the edge of space in the first fully crewed Virgin Galactic flight uh, to actually reach orbit. That's Unity 22. And this kicks off a wave of uh, news. And, you know, it's a bit of a space race because Jeff Bezos's Blue Origins also is going to be uh, launching a tourist flight on July 20th. We talked last week about the uh, the kind of like bad blood between them. At this point, so we want to break down what's going on, and we brought on Tarek Malik, the editor-in-chief of Space.com, to help us figure out everything going on. Hey, Tarek. Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having us here. So what's going on? Can you give us like a, a brief sense of like what was so important about this Virgin Galactic flight? We've been hearing about it for years. There was like a very, you know, there was a, a crash, uh, I think around 2015 too. Like there, this is a long story that got us here. What's so important about this flight and what's happening now with this billionaire space race? Yeah, so so to kind of understand where Virgin Galactic is coming from, we have to go back in time about 17 years. And in 2004, in uh, in Mojave, California, you know, a home to to test pilots and 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 aerospace researchers galore, there was a, a race for a private spaceship, and that race called the Ansari X Prize was won by a progenitor of Virgin Galactic's own ship called Spaceship One, and it was built by a different company, uh, Scaled Composites, and. Uh, Richard Branson was really taken by that, mm-hmm. and uh, I believe he was there at the time uh, watching it happen. And he said, uh, as uh, as everyone was celebrating that win by um, uh, in that event, that he was going to found Virgin Galactic and he was going to launch a passenger space line. 
uh, anyone that could afford a ticket would be able to go. Uh, back then, tickets were a little bit cheaper. They were like 200000 Now they're 250000 And hey, they could be launching by the end of that decade. Now, that was 2004. Yeah. <laughs> I remember us saying at the time, like, Richard Branson, sure, bro. Sure, whatever you're saying. Yeah, consumer flights to space. Uh, we'll believe it when we see it, right? And and, and Richard Branson, big showman, lot, yep. lots of deep pockets. You know, this is in, in 2004. SpaceX was just two years old. Blue Origin, working very quietly, was four years mm-hmm. old. But mm-hmm. no one really knew what they were doing. Uh, and uh, and so we saw over over the time them make uh, uh, a lot of successes. Like they rolled out the spacecraft. Uh, it was called uh, Enterprise, a nod to NASA's first of space course. shuttle. And, of course, my favorite, the uh, USS Enterprise up there. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and, and everything seemed to be going well. Um, now, they did have a test uh, uh, on the ground. Uh, kill three uh, employees of that company, Scaled Composites, which designed mm-hmm. Spaceship Two. That was a setback to understand, like, what are they doing wrong uh, on on the ground? And then in 2014, after uh, uh, several rocket power tests, uh, they had this fatal crash that nearly sidelined them, uh, in which uh, basically a pilot, one of the co-pilots, uh, unlocked a, a mechanism in the tail too early when the rocket engine was still on, and Oof. the spacecraft broke apart. And it was just a, a tragic accident. One pilot killed, one seriously injured. Uh, it could have uh, basically canceled the company. They could have had to shut down because of that. They were able to un- understand like what went wrong, identify how to fix it. So now that can't ever happen again. That mechanism cannot physically be unlocked by a pilot early. Uh, and they built a new ship. That's Unity with all of these new safety enhancements. They, they In that time, uh, they, they began testing it. They moved to New Mexico, uh, in the, the deserts near Truth or Consequences and mm-hmm. uh, Las Cruces, there's a spaceport there out in the middle of the desert called Spaceport America. And they built, it looks like a UFO if you if you see it <laughs> from above. It's, right. it's this weird kind of undulating disc-shaped thing. There's a big hangar uh, on the bottom floor for uh, Spaceship Two, and it's huge carrier plane, uh, White yeah. Knight uh, Two. Uh, Richard Branson named it after his mother, that carrier plane, uh, VMS Eve. And uh, and then on top is a world-class kind of flight terminal, which I guess first-class passengers would expect if they're sure. paying $250,000. This so, is the world's first consumer spaceport, basically, right? It's, it's an airport, but for space. Exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. So so they call it Gateway to Space, this terminal, like lots of world-class facilities. Uh, apparently not a hotel yet, but I, I, you can imagine <laughs> that, that might be coming. So the stage was really set. And at mm-hmm. Space.com, we have been writing since the early 2000s that this next year could be the year. Yeah. For commercial space flight. It was, this, is it was, your, this is your white whale, basically. Like, you guys have been following this forever. It, it yeah. was almost a running joke. It's like, are we going to write that story again this year? And it's like, well, we're, they, they could do it this year. Let's, let's mm-hmm. try. And, uh, and what's happened is that tw- I can say definitively now, I feel comfortable saying it, that mm-hmm. 2021 is the year that true commercial space flight is, is, is here because we've gotten to a point where now, now Virgin Galactic has launched their first fully crewed flight, not just test pilots, not just mm-hmm. uh, engineers, although there were some on this flight. Um, yeah. But they, I mean, they, the founder of the company, the founder like of a, the company, big deal. Yeah. Astronaut 001 <laughs> is yeah. Richard Branson's number at the company. So mm-hmm. he's the first one to go. Uh, and, uh, and then we have this whole race that came up because while it was exciting to see Virgin Galactic, uh, make this big milestone. And they say that they could uh, yep. launch passengers as early as 2022 now. Um, I heard Ashton Kutcher might actually have a, a flight too. And Elon Musk, who apparently has put a d- deposit down too. Yep. Um, they weren't the first ones to announce they were going to launch people this year. Uh, in May, actually, in May, 
Jeff Bezos and his Blue Origin company said, hey, everyone, we're going to launch uh, uh, Jeff Bezos, or he said, we're going to launch our first crude flight uh, mm-hmm. on July 20th. And then later they they launched a, uh, an auction to sell off seats to go. Then they said Jeff Bezos is going to go. Then they said uh, uh, an aerospace or a- aviation pioneer, Wally Funk, is going to go. And then on July 1st, when we knew all of those details and they'd sold the trip for $28 million or so, uh, Virgin Galactic says, we're going to launch Richard Branson to space. Love <laughs> so, it. Love they, it. A, a, full, a full nine days earlier, uh, 10 days earlier, and, and stealing the thunder away. So I, could, is, I, would, I would pay to see Jeff Bezos at that moment when he saw <laughs> that news. Like, man, because he he's also he stepped down from being Amazon CEO. Right. Like he mm-hmm. I, I think he kind of did things like just in case anything bad happens, Amazon doesn't like fall apart. Uh, but he's no oh. longer the CEO. Right. He's a chairman or he's on the board because um, he's fully focused on his rockets now, his uh, <laughs> shiny rockets. Yeah, that's right. That's right. You know, and also because, you know, Blue Origin had been they'd had this really uh, 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 kind of steady, but maybe not launching as quickly as 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 rocket fans, we would like because everyone loves to see rockets go up and down over and over, you know, uh, uh, new, different kinds of vehicles launching into space. Uh, and I think maybe we got a bit uh, uh, spoiled by SpaceX launching a yeah. rocket every every week or sometimes right. twice a week. Right. Uh, and, and so so we 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 were wondering, like, what's going on with this this flight program now? Blue Origin has launched this vehicle 15 times you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, uh, the same one over and over again. Uh, and so, so we're, we're, ex- we're we expect it, you know, if they feel that it's safe enough, uh, mm-hmm. that, okay, yeah, this is going to go, uh, just fine. In fact, back in April, they launched what they call the astronaut dress rehearsal, where they had people walk up the seven flights of stairs. There isn't an elevator at SpaceX's <laughs> or pardon uh-huh. me, at Blue Origins launch pad. Uh, there's a, a seven, a story uh, staircase that listen. I lived in up. New York. I know what that's like. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. Well, yeah. but this is like an ultimate walk up that's going to kick you off yeah. the planet, I suppose. Um, <laughs> and uh, and so they they had astronauts. Uh, their 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 test astronauts go inside, sit inside, kind of do all the things you would do before countdown, and then before launch they got off and they launched the rocket. It went fine. Uh, and when it landed, they had astronauts get back inside as if they just landed and go through all of the motions again. Um, mm-hmm. That was a, a, a flawless flight. When 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 they they did it, and so we expect to see something like that now. The big question, and this is something that I'm very eager to see in this kind of billionaire matchup of whose space company is going to pro- to get the best the most customers, is when we saw Virgin Galactic's big launch, we saw a lot of flair about what that experience as a customer is going right. to be like. You know, you've got you've got your your personal spacesuits, you've got uh, from Under Armour, right? You have you have your your Land Rover. Uh, drive uh, to the uh, to the spaceport. Um, uh, you know, we we already talked about their their really awesome terminal, uh, and then you have this brand new ship where which has a, a cabin with a, a tailored seat, and you can float around. Um, we know now what that looks like uh, for a passenger. We really mm-hmm. don't for Blue Origin. I mean, they <laughs> well, they have it's it's also like very different ships, right? Can can you just like break that down really quickly? Like Blue Origin is a rocket. When That's you right. imagine a rocket, that that is what it is. The Virgin Galactic ship is a space plane. You know, it looks, it just looks like a it's very a fancy flight, plane. Right. Yeah, 
Yeah, so 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 this is this has actually added some tension between these two companies. Mm-hmm. Uh, we actually saw before the Virgin Galactic uh, launch last, uh, uh, I think <laughs> last like a few week, days before yeah. that that Blue Origin kind of put put a couple of infographics out to take a little a little swipe uh-huh. uh, at, at Virgin Galactic. They did cheer them on and laud their success and sent congratulations, but it's clear that they they are offering a different product. So we'll start with Virgin Galactic, as you mentioned. It's a it's a space plane that is tucked underneath the belly of a carrier plane, and they mm-hmm. it basically takes off from a runway goes up to about 50,000 feet, and there uh, the pilots on the carrier plane drop it. It it kind of goes in free fall for a few seconds, lights a rocket motor at the back. It's a hybrid uh, uh, engine that uses kind of liquid and solid propellant to go into space. That rockets away, then they turn it, the pilots aboard make it go straight up. It can, it can cross a 50-mile border that mm-hmm. NASA and the FAA and the U.S. military all cite as the border of space. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for... Branson's flight, he got about 53 miles up. Uh, yep. They get about four minutes of weightlessness. They can get out, uh, move about the cabin, float around, look out all these round portals that are all around the the the, the, the cabin, uh, and then they get back in, and they buckle in, and they glide back to a runway landing at the same place that they took off from. So they can kind of go have a drink at their uh-huh. terminal, have a big party. So th- this whole thing is very, it lasts, what, 15 minutes? Like, what is the length it, of this flight, right? It's, a, it's about an hour and a half. Right, okay. so so it's an it's an, an hour or so to get up to altitude, uh, uh, and then uh, they they wait and then they they launch it and then about a half an hour after that they're they're back on the ground gliding and then a little bit longer for the, the carrier plane to get back a, as well. So uh, you get a kind of a nice day outing out of it. Sure, the Blue Origin experience is about eleven minutes because it's a rocket. Mm-hmm. So right. in West Texas now, this is a, a a really remote part of Texas. The nearest town is Van Horn. Um, they have built this test facility with a launch pad and a, a landing pad. And the mm-hmm. rocket, as I mentioned, is seven stories uh, tall. And on the top is a capsule, much like NASA's uh, uh, early uh, Mercury, uh, Gemini, and Apollo vehicles and uh, SpaceX's Dragon uh, capsule. Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. also does not go all the way to orbit, but it actually goes a lot higher than Virgin Galactic. So this this rocket can launch vertically with the capsule on top and the astronauts on board. Um it launches them up above a 62-mile altitude. Now, that is an internationally recognized border yeah. for where space begins, and the effects of the atmosphere are negligible. The uh, The capsule separates from the rocket uh, booster, and it keeps going up on a ballistic trajectory, like you've thrown a softball, basically. And the booster comes back to the Earth, lands uh, vertically on a, on, a, on a landing pad, and then space, uh, Blue Origin can kind of go out, uh, clean it up, gas it up again, and get it ready for the next flight. The capsule keeps going up, it's, mm-hmm. it's that that kind of uh, physical apex and then falls back down. It has a heat shield like like spa- uh, SpaceX and NASA, and it touches down on the ground. So it's got some retro rockets, uh, uh, much like what Russia's Soyuz capsules do with these parachutes. Uh, and then Blue Origin runs out with some co- uh, trucks to recover the crew, get them out. And then I'm sure that they have a, a party afterward. Mm-hmm. There isn't a great big world, <laughs> world-class terminal uh, out there yet. Uh, you know, because uh, uh, Blue Origin hasn't built one. They've been focusing on getting right. the rocket ready. Um, so so we're going to see uh, on July 20th with that flight what what that experience is going to be like for these mm-hmm. people. And and uh, they auctioned off, so the launching on this flight, because so that'll last 11 minutes. They'll have about three, maybe four minutes of weightlessness as well. They have the biggest windows, by the way, Blue Origin, uh, ever to fly in space. It's like a floor-to-ceiling window but on a spaceship. <laughs> and, and there's one of those at every seat 
on 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 the vehicle. So that, that was in the like uh, comparison chart. Like, yeah, uh, <laughs> we we got big windows. Yeah, and, and so you would you would think yeah. you would, you would think that that wouldn't be a big deal, but right. you know, if, if if you think you know, I'm on this really short flight. Mm-hmm. Um, I I want to see what Earth looks like. It's going to be really easy because the window yeah. is right there. You don't have to unbuckle and then look at. Oh, do I want to look at this little round window or this round window? It's clear, you know, where, where, where to look. Um, and, and we're sure that there's probably going to be some other amenities. Like both of these companies have live recording going on. They're recording everyone's reactions. Uh, you can expect that the customers are going to get some tailored uh, uh, videos and other souvenirs of their experience. Um, but they are truly different vehicles. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have a, they're a different experience. And I, I can see the Jet Set folks that really want to rack up uh, uh, both cloud and, and version points, yeah, yeah. That you could you could see them, you know, booking a trip uh, uh-huh. on both of these things and then comparing them after. Like you know, Charles <laughs> Simone. Yeah, you mentioned Windows earlier. Charles mm-hmm. Simone booked not one but two trips to orbit on the mm-hmm. International Space Station with Russia and and a company called Space Adventures. So there are people that want to do it more than once, and mm-hmm. both of these companies with their reusable. Uh, aspects kind of are are poised to do that. SpaceX as well. well. You know, they we haven't we've talked mostly about Virgin Galactic and Blue Origin, but Elon Musk has already been launching people into orbit, not just right, sixty two right. miles to the ISS, miles, yeah. to the International Space Station. He's booked a flight uh, mm-hmm. for September fifteenth to launch another billionaire, Jared <laughs> Isaacman, and and three other civilians uh, into orbit, not to the space station. They're just going to mm-hmm. stay in orbit for for about a, uh, five days or so uh, and come back. But that is. A, a sea change now because mm-hmm. all other private orbital flights have gone to the space station, were launched by Russia on their Soyuz vehicle, and were brokered by a U.S. company. This is a company not just brokering the deal, but inviting them out, giving them spacesuits, yeah, launching yeah. them in orbit. Uh, the full kind of service thing. experience. Uh, Tarek, I have, a, I have a many follow-up questions, but I want to ask have, Berlin, do you, I do you have anything have, yeah. you want to jump in? Yeah. <laughs> I have two, at least two follow-up questions for Tarek. Mm-hmm. One thing is, I, I didn't know if you were building to this, but the price difference between the two, right? I mean, they're very different experiences, mm-hmm. but how much does each cost? Okay. So that's, that's, that is actually the $250,000 question. Right. Right. Because right. We, we, we know for a long time <laughs> that uh, Virgin Galactic was at the two hundred to $250,000 right. uh, uh, range. That that price could change over time. They might uh, uh, they might increase it. You know, you can kind of jump ahead in line if you mm. pay a, a extra service fee because they do have hundreds of reservations. We don't know how much uh, Blue Origin is going to charge. They auctioned off the seat to space with Jeff Bezos, his brother, and uh, and Wally Funk, uh, one of the Mercury thirteen uh, uh, women who who tested to be an astronaut. Uh, that seat sold. For twenty eight million dollars, right? That's that's a, a huge lot disparity. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So and 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 Blue Origin used that money to basically give nineteen different charities a million dollars each. Jeff Bezos just uh, uh, gave the Smithsonian two hundred million dollars uh, yeah. uh, in in a gift for 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 uh, STEM education and science and and the museum's refurbishment. But we don't know how much the actual seats are going to cost, right? Because right? Jeff right. Bezos most likely not going to be on every flight, um, yeah. and so. So I think that that's kind of the question that we want to see. Mm-hmm. For SpaceX, a trip to orbit, we know that a, a rocket launch costs on the average between 62 and maybe $70 million. Uh, that's kind of what they sell those flights for. Uh, probably more with insurance mm-hmm. and, uh, and then also more if you're going to have food, life support. you got to pay for that air <laughs> and that water. NASA, you know, themselves also have kind of breakdown costs for what that stuff is going to cost. Mm-hmm. Um, and so 
So we don't really know exactly how much that, and Jared Isaacman, the billionaire that, that bought this Inspiration4 mission that's launching in September, is not telling either. So oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I should po- also point out that while we've been talking about these, there is another billionaire, um, mm-hmm. Yusaki Mezawa in Japan, who has put down some kind of a down payment or bought an entire Starship flight, which is SpaceX's <laughs> mega rocket that they're building wow. in South Texas. And that one is to go around the moon. And we don't know how much that costs either. But if they're launching a mission around the moon, it must be in the billions. So so those are kind of the pay scale. You go from Uh 250000 to at least $28 if you really want a super high tech (laughs) with with the richest man on the planet, uh, to some sort of subset of 60 to $70 million to go to orbit. Like uh, Bond villain territory. To to billions of dollars to go around the moon. So yeah. Uh, so wow. that, that's where we are right now, Shelly. My, yeah. my main question is just what what does this all mean, right? Because the last space race between, you know, Russia and America was mainly for what? National pride uh, to see who gets there first, who could like lead in technology following uh, in the post-war era. This one is rich people hanging out in space. So I fail to get as excited, I guess, uh, uh, reading about like NASA's uh, innovations back in the day. But what is Virgin Galactic trying to accomplish here versus what Blue Origin is and what SpaceX is? I feel like they have very different goals, right? Like Blue Origins was always about more than just space tourism, whereas Virgin Galactic was space tourism as the impetus, right? That's right. In fact, in fact, uh, just I think at the core, because these are companies, they want yep. to be able to have a product that they can sell to to, to make money. But they do have all all three of them. Uh, uh, Blue Origin for Virgin Galactic and and SpaceX have very different missions. Now, back in mm-hmm. the early days of, of of space travel, you have this race between then the United States and USSR. Um, you know where both com- both countries want want missiles, they want rockets, they want to be able to launch uh, weapons uh, everywhere, and to do that, you need really powerful rockets. Uh, so that is really kind of the impetus of where that came from. It was national security, it was national pride, uh, it was. Um, uh, uh, just you know, to to really show what each country could do, uh, and then they reached the moon, and then that kind of stopped, and uh, and they went kind of very divergent ways. Where NASA built a space shuttle, and then the uh, uh, and then Russia built a space stations, and then mm-hmm, now mm-hmm. they're they're working together on a space station, and everyone wants to go back to the moon. Um, so what we saw see now is we see companies that see uh, they, they see that there are people out there who have the means and the interest to fly in space, and they want to fill that niche. Uh, and they want to fill it in different ways because Virgin Galactic, Richard Branson, they want to. He's known for for delivering experiences with Virgin uh, Atlantic, with uh, uh, music and and whatnot uh, of a very uh, tailored uh, approach. Right. You know, people right. know what they're going to get from that brand, so he can make a space line for passenger flight that will carry that brand into space. And yeah. now high every, end adventure has ex- kind of been his brand for a while, right? Ex- yeah. Exactly. So that, that's kind of where he's coming from. Now he, he did say that he's always wanted to fly in space. This was a dream of his and yeah. you know, a ticket, a two while it's, while it still is a substantial amount of money, $250,000 is much less than what any other private trip to space has gone, uh, has gone to date. So, so, you know, he, and he can do it at scale. Now he's building another spaceship. Uh, and, and the idea is to turn that into a, a really profitable company. They are public now, too. They did go public uh, in this whole time. And 
you can see them franchising that out to maybe not just launching out of New Mexico, but they could do it from right, Sweden. Right. They could do it from Singapore. You know, that eventually, would be- like it could be flights to these other places, right? Like not just going up and down, but going from New Mexico to Singapore or something really quickly, right? Ex- exactly, exactly. For for again that really high end, you know, we yeah. we had uh, the, the Virgin Galactic actually has announced plans for a new supersonic jet to kind of be the interim level mm-hmm. uh, to, to, to get there too. Now on Blue Origin side, uh, uh, Jeff Bezos, he has like a personal mission to have like a million people living in space in, yes. in the future. He wants uh-huh. this giant, they call it an O'Neill space station. You can imagine a giant soda can like miles and miles long where people mm-hmm. live on the inside skin of that can uh, in time. It's, it's purely out of science fiction, but something that is a really major goal to shoot to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and it's a very inspirational goal, and he has billions and billions of dollars in real, the, the pockets to be able to fund that. So that's where he has been coming from. And mm-hmm. if 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 he needs to have a, a profitable uh, uh, a feeder for that that dream, that's what yep. that's what Blue Origin is trying to do. And, and isn't that ultimate the ultimate goal though? Right? It's not just putting people in a can in space. It's like what are you going to do with those people? And we've I believe we've heard Jeff Bezos talk about asteroid mining before i feel like that is the next big uh thing that the super rich are going to go after because we're we're running out of resources here on earth rare earth minerals is like a big reason we're having such a chip shortage right now so if they can go to space and get stuff like that is infinite money is is that a part of it um uh, that, you know, that, in, in the short term long term yeah both 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 jeff mm-hmm. bezos and elon musk have said that yeah. they have kind of two two different visions well elon musk has been really singular about his mm-hmm. they want a, a place in space where humanity can live and thrive so that there's another place in space where humanity is living and thriving. Uh, you know, just, just so that there's like a backup right now. So they yeah. they would like to have a, a way to kind of, uh, 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 to, to at least serve a part to, to keeping the species going if an asteroid hits, if there's some other kind sure. of mega disaster, sure. that kind of thing. Um, but in order to, to really make that, pay for itself. There are there is a lot of interest in in mining space. Elon Musk wants to put build a city on the moon or on Mars. Uh, that has been mm-hmm. his goal from the founding of SpaceX is he wants people he wants Please. a colony or a, a settlement on Mars. Yeah. Um yeah. and uh, and in the other companies are looking at the moon where they can use those resources that are a little closer to home uh and hopefully develop new technologies to use them uh to use it as a springboard uh to to either mine those resources like you were just talking mm-hmm. uh, about and bring them back to earth or use them to build other things in space right. that can then right. uh, drive some sort of new economy. Uh, there's a lot of talk about helium three on the moon. You might've heard yep. that where they, they say, Oh yeah, we can use this as a, a cheap <laughs> nuclear fusion fuel. We can't do fusion right now, uh, mm-hmm. but they know that it's there. Yeah. And if they can do that and make cheaper energy, then we might all be able to benefit from that. I, um, I think like blue origin, like it, yeah, it just doesn't seem like tourism is the main goal for sure. And it's, it's kind of like what Bezos did with Amazon Web Services in a way, investing in a cloud, right? Investing in a ton of servers before a cloud-based infrastructure and, you know, people were running systems on the cloud, like before that really existed. And that put him in a good place to to basically power the Internet, right? So it seems like that's where we're kind of headed. Um, there was a viral thread on Twitter yeah. About like, are billionaires just planning to leave a ruined earth is kind of, is that what's happening here? What is your thought on that? Because I, I think it's a lot more complex than that, but uh, let me know what you think. Tar. Yeah. I, I, I think that, that there, there is, there is a high visibility because these are billionaires, yeah. right. Uh, that they, that they want to, to get off the planet and leave us all behind. That was the whole plot of that 
movie Elysium with Matt Damon, yes. right? Where everyone yes. lived on an O'Neill cylinder space station yep. while the rest of us were, were, were kind of scrambling around on Earth below. But I really, I don't think that that's the case. I think that there is both a, a business uh, 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 driver to these companies where they are very accomplished uh, entrepreneurs in different fields. And they, mm-hmm. they all have kind of been converging on this one field as the next big step to do different things. You know, for Jeff Bezos, he sees it as... Uh, as you mentioned, getting kind of on that ground floor to develop the infrastructure needed to uh, a higher economy in space. Mm-hmm. He's actually been competing to offer what he calls delivery services to the moon. Uh, and Amazon is really great at that. For so sure. so <laughs> the odds are they're going to get there one way or another. Uh, and, yeah. um, and so, you know, we, we can see that they're, they're really kind of interested in that. At the same point, mm-hmm. they, are, they are people who have all expressed a serious desire to go to space. And... And so there is, I think, a, a driving force to have that experience. Yeah, probably just because they can, right? E- yeah. Exactly. Probably more than once, right? And mm-hmm. if, if I was a billionaire and I really wanted to go to space and there was no one that could get me there and I had mm-hmm. all of these resources, it, it's not a giant leap to say, you know what? If no sure. one's going to get me there, maybe I can get myself there. And, yeah. and then I, find I, I the have right to people. Ask- I have to ask about, I guess, the fairness of it, because uh, you look back to the to the last space race, too. There was a lot of conversation about like, hey, it's it's great. You're spending billions of dollars, uh, you know, beating Russia and getting people to the moon. But it seemed like first of all, it, it seemed like the people going to the moon, uh, the people going to space were basically, you know, white professionals. Everybody on Earth. Um, the people, the other folks in America, black and brown folks, people who weren't super rich or super, uh, like astronauts, uh, were still struggling to get by. Uh, we were still dealing with a lot of issues on the ground floor today. It seems even worse Mm -hmm. because the effects of climate change are everywhere now. Like I just saw a news report about another heat wave coming to the Pacific Northwest. It looks just as bad as the one that hit a couple of weeks ago. The world isn't really prepared for like what is happening to us. Meanwhile, these billionaires are out there just like playing with their rockets, uh, dumping more fuel into our atmosphere. Like it, it just seems a little unfair and maybe like the optics aren't so great right now. Should they be doing other things alongside this? Like it's great. Jeff Bezos gave some money to the Smithsonian. That money is going to be a tax write off for him. Mm-hmm. You know, should he just be paying his taxes like he should? Uh, is is that a better solution? I don't know where you come down on this start. I, I think I think it's a real fair point. And, and as you mentioned, this is an argument that has dogged space travel since the yeah. dawn of the space age. Why are we spending all this money in space when we could be spending it on the ground? And, you know, NASA's retort has always been every single dollar that we spend in space, we're actually spending on Earth with the people that yeah. they, they hire, the, 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 the technology transfers that you and I are talking uh, using technology yes. that was developed that came out of that. And then another company's like, hey, we could use this to make uh, a video camera that you can put in a computer, you know, and, and talk over over a satellite communication. That's really great that we have all of that stuff. It clearly has made communications better. Um, I can't, you know, we especially in this last year with where, where, where we've been in a pandemic, my family is uh, in California and Singapore. I haven't seen them in a year and a half. And mm-hmm. we've been able to kind of keep that connection. I really, that's like one NASA calls them spinoffs that I really appreciate. But there is, for these billionaires, a very clear optics issue for where they're spending right. all of their money. Uh, well, not all of it, right? We, I don't <laughs> think it's, yeah. it, it may not even be, be a, a significant portion of What's in the couch for them? Yeah. Um, they're, spending, uh, uh, they're spending all of this money uh, on these programs. Now, Elon Musk, you know, he 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 has uh, 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 his own approach where he's he's 
driving Tesla with electric cars. He has a solar company. So he he has tried, been putting a lot of effort into that part of it because he, he feels that we need to have that kind of uh, sustainable uh, energy uh, and and uh, consumption process going forward. Uh, Jeff Bezos, you know, one of the reasons he did step down from Amazon was so that he could explore other projects. And it would not surprise right. me if there is some sort of climate initiative that um, that does come out of, of that. But we do need to wait and see. Um, and for Virgin Galactic, uh, uh, one of the things that uh, the earlier claims that came out in the very early days of the company was that they were going to try to have a green fuel. They've kind of backed off that a little yep. bit. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and and we're sure that there are some philanthropic work. I mean, Jeff Bezos and um, Richard Branson have announced that they're they are going to be giving away flights uh, for these for these trips so that they can inspire uh, a new generation of younger people to go in space. I, we saw with just the makeup of the crew uh, that that diversity is is kind of key. Uh, to to that, and um, we saw that also with NASA's new push to go to the moon as well. They had, they announced the cadre of astronauts uh, recently, and it is a, one of the most diverse groups that I've ever seen uh, for any program going yeah. forward. Um, I, th- I think one big difference here too is like when NASA does something and they're investing so much to do future missions, it is also for the public good, exactly. right? Like it is for it eventually helps America. It could help people all over the world. Like so much of our technology now has come out of the original space program. If that was a private space race, uh, no, this, that yeah. never would have happened. This is really key. This is really key yeah. too, because as as a citizen or as just a member of the public, because you don't have to yeah. be a citizen, you can log on and you can you can request information or, or details from any kind of NASA funded study, um, and and learn. You know, maybe if it's just for your own personal yeah. enjoyment, you can learn about it. Uh, you, NASA has these agreements that they they have in place where they can share kind of their learnings from technology. These companies have all benefited from yes. that process. Uh, uh, and, and so uh, so there is that very clear trade-off. One of the biggest worries uh, for me as a reporter was that once we shifted into this commercial model, that the level of access and transparency was going to drop off a cliff. Now, we haven't seen that uh, like completely fall off where they're doing things Quietly, but you know, when, when Blue Origin was developing this New Shepard vehicle, they would launch test flights and announce it months later to say, "Hey, look what we did!" You know, because no one was able to watch them because they were off in the the deep desert. Um, now, be, because they have contracts with NASA, because they have agreements to fly people in space, which has safety evaluations, they have to have a measure of public transparency that we can now follow to know when SpaceX is going to test their rocket in in Texas near the community because they have to make announcements for that. But any new technologies that these companies develop for themselves to build these these vehicles are their technologies now. And so that that technology spin-off may not be as free as what we've seen with with NASA. You know, we may not definitely get, won't be. Yeah. <laughs> we may we may not get um the super uber like internet of the future that SpaceX's Starlink might use unless they license that for a fee. Uh, so that is something that we're going to want to watch because while while right now it's just these trips to space and maybe their heat shield technology or or their life support system, it you know as more and more people are going to be living and working in space, that's stuff that's going to govern how those folks live, how they survive in space, uh, who's delivering the food that they might need to go into space, or if I'm yeah. living in a, a remote part of the world, uh, how I get access to the to the services that I need. Uh, through this infrastructure that is now a, a you know a, a licensed a licensed piece of technology by a billion billion dollar company. 
we'll see. And you know what? We'll be we'll be keeping an eye on all this news. I just like the skeptical side of me is like, I don't trust these billionaires. I wish they were paying taxes. I wish they were like helping, trying to help the world, uh, especially while so many things are literally on fire. But you know what, Tark? I'd love to have you back on uh, as we get more news and more announcements from these folks. And yes. uh, yeah, we will we'll dive more into this down the line. I have a sense that Tarek, you'll you'll have greater <laughs> access to some of these trips than than the Ooh. rest of us with with your coverage and everything. So I'm sure we will interview you soon about one of these trips. That's the one of the one of the greatest things. I, I'm like the rocket person at, at space.com. I'm everyone knows that I love all the different ships, and right. it's 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 really exciting to kind of live in a time where there isn't just one way to get into space or two mm. from two different com- companies but you got all these these different designs of ways to get into space there's new new companies coming up every time to, to develop something new it is something to watch uh but yeah uh Shalom, you're right I, I need to maybe they'll have like a a, a coupon day I, I yeah i was a, like when when are you <laughs> going and when's it what will you pick as your first trip blue origin or virgin <laughs> galactic <laughs> whoever whoever signs me first and uh and lets me sign the waiver so <laughs> Absolutely. So Tarek, thank you so much for joining us on the Engadget podcast. Where can we find your work on the internet these days? Well, you can find us. Well, th- thank you for having us. I had a great time. I could talk about space all day. Yeah, yeah that's I fine. I love it. talking about space. I, yeah. I actually do at space.com where you can find us and our, our entire uh, team. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Tarek J. Malik as well. And you can follow uh, space.com on Twitter and Facebook as well. So we hope to see you there. Let's move on from space and to the cloud, specifically the Microsoft <laughs> cloud. This week, Microsoft launched Windows 365, a uh-huh. rumored cloud PC service. We've covered it a couple of months ago, but uh, it, it is a full PC. It's a Windows 10 PC that you can um, just subscribe to. Tell Microsoft, like, hey, you want two up to eight virtual CPUs, this amount Insane. of RAM and storage, and just have a computer in the cloud. Wow. So I love it. It is it is kind of wild to me. Let's let me just like dive into some of this. Check out my coverage um, about this whole thing because I talked with some folks from Microsoft and we got some good answers from them. Uh, but essentially, mm-hmm. this is building on top of Azure Virtual Desktop, which is Microsoft's uh, service for very technical folks. So people who know how to wrangle uh, servers and how to like handle mm-hmm. um, virtual machines um, in the cloud. People could, they were able to do that for a couple of years, but a normal person just saying, hey, give me a virtual PC, please. um, That was not possible. So this is kind of a simpler way of doing that. We don't know what the prices for this are going to be, but I think essentially for businesses, especially small businesses and enterprises, this could be a good way to, first of all, ensure data security, you know, um, know, employees instead of having a personal computer or Mm -hmm. a work computer. Um, they could have a personal environment that they could access from shared devices or from their home computer. No more fighting with VPNs like we have to over here. Everybody hates VPNs. Um, Just a computer that is always there um, apparently never has to shut down. It is always like available in the state it's in, so you can continue mm. your work easily. It's supported on liter- um, virtually any browser, too. So you can access this on a Mac. You can access this on an Android tablet. Um, not hard to tell. Like, wow. Eventually, I, I can imagine like um, a dongle for TVs or something where you could just turn any TV or any screen Wait. into a Windows 10 or 11 PC. Like It'll run Windows 11 when this finally launches. This is kind of a big deal. Maybe not mm. so much for consumers, although 
a single consumer, you know, a business of one can also uh, subscribe to one of these machines and have access to it. Um, this does seem like bold new territory for Microsoft and the mm-hmm. way we think of computers. Uh, what do you think of this, Sherlyn? I mean, I, I think it's pretty exciting. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why. I'm a, I'm a normie-ish, I believe. I, I think mm-hmm. of myself as. And <laughs> the idea of a virtual machine might not seem like, you know, crazy useful for someone who already has their own laptop that they store everything on or whatever. But like yeah. you said, the use cases for an- enterprise are huge. It's also mm-hmm. the, yeah, the persistent state that this thing can remain in across your various devices if you have them. That's super intriguing. Plus, like you said, browser-based mm-hmm. access. So like, again, from Android phone, you can access your Windows PC in the cloud. And if you've stored yeah. like, I, d- I, don't I don't know, know what their phone there. interface is going to be like, but they've right, talked right, about right. tablet. So they've talked about iPad. They've talked about your Android they never I, said phone specifically, but you could do it. You could do yeah, like Zooms or something. Yeah. yeah. I also suspect that like, I mean, the mm-hmm. phone thing is more of like a, a hack thing if you wanted to use the desktop version of a site on your Chrome mobile browser, whatever, right? Probably, but, yeah. But if if you, I mean, I suspect there's going to be, I'd be curious about the resource drain, about like what sort of minimum requirements to operate something like that through your browser would be. It's a, uh, so... It's it's video streaming, you know. Right, so exactly. Essentially, so, these things could be run on Chromebooks. These things could be yeah. run on like really, really lightweight computers. That would so maybe in, yeah. Insane. So then that maybe ba- goodbye parallels. Like what? <laughs> well, that's so that's essentially it, right? Like I think parallels and VMware have been the most popular <gasps> virtualization tools, right. and parallels was a big thing when uh, Apple moved over to Intel chips around 2005. Parallels mm-hmm. came out, and they were like, hey. You just want to you want to run Windows inside your Mac OS. You can virtualize mm-hmm. it easily through our software. And I knew when I was working in IT then, I I built up parallel installations for a lot of people because back then Macs didn't have all the software Windows had. Um, so a lot of professors and you know people I worked with wanted to have access to both uh, types of software. It's the yeah. same thing now. Like I think virtual machines are really useful. If you yes. if you didn't want to install the Windows 11 beta on your main PC, right. but you want to play around with the interface and see how it looked or develop software for oh. it, you could run it in a virtual PC, um, you know, and just not sacrifice your machine. So putting it in the cloud, I think, makes it even more useful. I think it's re- yeah. it's just really intriguing. Um, normal people don't need virtual machines, but I think right. technical people, um, especially Mac users who just like maybe occasionally will need something on Windows or maybe yeah. something their work relies on, that could be good. Um, right, I could right, see right. organizations giving people Chromebooks uh, or cheaper Windows exactly. laptops right. and then running these things, which will get more power over the cloud. That, that could be something because right yeah. now um, the company we work for gives everybody MacBook Pros. Well, I, I got a, people, I got a Dell Latitude something. You got you got but essentially PC. like a one thousand dollar computer. Everybody <laughs> right, gets right, like right. a one thousand dollar level right, computer, even if yeah. they probably don't need that much power, right? right so something like right. this, they can scale between. Microsoft told me there right now you could configure up to eight virtual CPUs, sixteen gigabytes of RAM, five hundred twelve gigabytes of storage. Um, actually, maybe two fifty six at launch. Uh, but right. they're also working on um, dedicated GPUs, so you oh, can okay. also get like. GPU processing power. Um, wow. This whole thing kind of came about from their early attempts at like building uh, gaming virtualization too. So they they say this is fast enough for video. They're working on tech that will like render the video locally, but still mm-hmm. stream it through the virtual machine. This could be really cool. I, I yeah. don't know. I don't yeah. know, folks, but it's um, launching on August second. So we'll see. 
Mm-hmm. It, an interesting question from the chat that I thought I'd bring up uh, on our yep. podcast too. Jojo or Jojo P uh, asked, "Does it already include Office on there?" Um, I don't know. That's a good question, actually. Um, yeah. All I know is it's a virtual PC. Maybe if Microsoft were smart, they would just give you everything. Um, yep. But from what if, I if hear, this paying. is not tied to your. Um, it's not tied to your Windows uh, account, mm-hmm. so it's like a completely separate thing. And your purchase, your subscription fee basically includes a Windows license uh, as part of it. Maybe they could have multiple tiers. Like, hey, you want Office in here too? Right. It probably would be smart for them to just give you Office if you get one of yeah. these. Yeah. Yeah, it should be. Um, mm-hmm. But no, this is this is pretty exciting news for sure. Um, it- <laughs> to, to a certain person, it's very exciting. Yeah. yeah. I wish I had this with the, when I was an IT guy, basically. Yeah, yeah. We'll definitely be following Windows 365. I have not played with it yet, but I'm mm. hoping to uh, closer to August as we as we get there. But uh, listen, apparently a lot of people love Windows, uh, so I'm glad people have been checking out this coverage. Uh, stay tuned for more on Windows 365 and certainly Windows 11. I cannot wait to get final software on that. Oh, yeah. Let's move on to some other news. Sherlyn, I know you had something you really oh, want yeah. to dive into. Hey, hey, things, speaking yeah. speaking of non-Apple software, <laughs> Android 12 Beta 3 arrived oh, this week. Oh, what a week. sexy name. Yeah. What? Yeah. I know. Well, listen, they're all beta names are all <laughs> sexy as hell. Um, Android 12 Beta 3 uh, rolled out this week. And what's interesting now... I mean, one of the features it brings is scrolling screenshots. Hooray. Um, But sort of almost buried a little bit further down Mm -hmm. uh, Google's announcement post was that it's bringing enhanced auto rotation. Uh, That's in in Google's (laughs) words. But really what this uh, feature does is instead of just relying on your accelerometer and gyroscope to figure out how you're holding up your phone, it's Mm -hmm. actually going to tap your camera to see your face and be like, oh, you know, this person's holding up the phone in a landscape mode because their eyes are here and their nose is here, et cetera, et cetera, right? right? So it's a camera-based auto-rotation tool to, I guess, complement what already exists uh, okay. to make auto-rotate a bit faster, but also a bit more accurate for instances when you're lying on your couch, um, you're, I don't know, doing holding a plank and somehow still looking at your phone. I don't know. Uh <laughs> I can't think of many other use cases than lying on your couch and in your bed. Um, but yeah, mm-hmm. so it's really looking... And it could just make that that auto-rotate a bit more accurate, too. So but, is this for, like, if, you, if you're shooting a video and you want to know if you're actually in TikTok mode versus YouTube mode? Like, is that what's happening? Or is it's, it just it's, uh, more viewing? It's not, I don't... It could be for both, but I think okay. personally for me, when I use auto-rotate, it's from, from viewing, right? So like when you flip yep. your phone over to maximize the YouTube screen or when you're using mm-hmm. an app and you're, you know, or a browser, you know, and you want to see the website wider or something um, and you flip your phone. Um, I mean, that's how I imagine the use case would be. But also, yeah, it could totally be used for when you're shooting something. Mm-hmm. It's, <laughs> it's, I, I think it's a weird if you were shooting a, I don't think it'd be able to auto rotate using your camera if your camera was already in use for something else. Right, right, so. right, right. I just, uh, I feel like we're gonna have a long walk this year towards you trying to make Android 12 seem 
like an interesting or wow, exciting you're so update. Mean to Android yeah. 12. Um, Material yeah. U is really exciting. I will say I've been I've been living <laughs> yes, with Material the, U. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've been living with the Android 12 beta and the iOS 15 betas. I I have I could go deep into like the differences yeah. between Android and iOS as main devices, but I will say that there are some quirks I'm not a big fan of. This thing though, camera-based auto rotation here might give people some discomfort because it is you know, using your camera, it is looking for mm -hmm. your face. Uh, but yeah. Google did say that, you know, all this is happening in its private compute core. So the images are not being stored anywhere and they're not sent anywhere. Uh, they're really just, you know, temporarily being used to see how you're holding your phone up. So hopefully that gives some people <laughs> some assurance. Um, I'd love to see if they enable, like they give people the option to kill or not use this. Um, and also it will only sure. be available on Pixel 4 and older. Uh, oh, newer, mm -hmm. sorry, Pixel 4 and newer. So it requires some sort of higher-end hardware. Anyhow, okay. uh, Beta 3 has some other features that I go into detail on our article on Engadget.com. You can check it out there. Um, yeah, I mean, if you if you already have the Beta, cool. If not, this is just a tease of what's coming up when Beta gotcha. Android 12 rolls out. Yeah. You also covered uh, the Biden uh, executive, executive order, order from last Pass. week that uh, covered big tech and net neutrality Indeed. and Indeed. Uh, right to repair and a bunch of different mm -hmm. things. What mm -hmm. is so? What's going on there? You know, what's yeah. your big takeaway? Because it seems very exciting just to have actual right to repair rules. I know it's a uh, huh. I, I I drafted a tweet mm -hmm. in my head and never posted this, but. <laughs> <laughs> but Okay, so this is an executive order that Biden signed on Friday, and it's huge. It's got like, what, something like 72 different suggestions and actions uh, spanning a dozen federal agencies, including the FTC, FCC, etc., um, and big tech companies. So a lot of the, um, you know, what's relevant to Engadget here are things that are about tech companies and anti-competitive behavior, antitrust and net neutrality. One thing that uh, Biden and the executive order suggested, I mean, it's all suggestions right now, right? Until they until they like work mm -hmm. with the agencies to make all of that happen. But it asked the FCC to restore net neutrality rules that were undone by the prior administration. Uh, not naming names here, guys, but yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and also important things, I, I, I've, Okay, my main takeaway is that like Biden and his team and his administration were like listening to all the common complaints people have about for sure unnecessary unnecessary early termination fees unnecessary. And they, they have smart people like on the FTC now who can like they actually do. bring a lot of these topics up. Yeah, exactly. So things that are being addressed here are like like I said, the early uh, termination fees, excessive fees, um, anti-competitive behavior, like. And Alina Khan's been in the news a lot lately. So, you know, this is something that she's been talking about too, I think. Um, but also asked, uh, you know, the order also asked the FTC to establish rules on surveillance and accumulating data um, and letting you do your own repairs of your devices and equipment, not just in tech, but also in agriculture and farming where mm -hmm. <laughs> people want the right to repair their John Deere equipment yeah, or their tractors. Yeah. That's kind of where all this started is because um, farmers and agriculture are people there are used to repairing big machines. These aren't like right. it. These are like old school you know, vehicles. It's not like cars where there are tons of microchips and stuff now. It's really hard to repair. A tractor has kind of worked the same way for a while. So, hey, right. this is good. I hope we can right. stick with this. Mm -hmm. So so I think this, if anything, this executive order, uh, of course, it'll take some time before all of the actions come to pass. But yeah. I, I do think it shows 
an understanding of what's broken in the system here. They talk about things like, uh, in, you know, in the transportation section, uh, they talk about airlines asking for more transparency and disclosure over baggage fees, change fees, cancellation good, good. fees, and, you know, asking airlines to give clearer guidelines on mm -hmm. when it will refute refund, uh, yeah. issue refunds for things like not working Wi-Fi or in-flight entertainment. There are so many fishing, they're really fishy things a lot of big companies yeah. get to deal with. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you guys a quick story. Uh, natural gas in Georgia mm -hmm. is an unregulated market. So it's insane. It is the mm -hmm. Wild West. There are like a ton of companies I, I could potentially subscribe to, but uh, they do this thing where if you don't subscribe to a fixed rate, they do uh, a thing that they they say they send you on a variable gas rate, Oy. which could easily be five to ten times more, but they don't tell you. Like, it's very right. untransparent. So basically, over the weekend, my gas bill shot up like five times. Jesus. I was like, what is happening? They never mentioned that things had shifted. And I called in to fix that and get a lower rate. It took three months for that to apply. Meanwhile, they could like keep charging me at the higher rate. There's so many things going on yep. with uh, yep. all sorts of companies and industries in America yep. where it's just like unfair and insane. So I hope we yep. can like do something about this. Yeah. Yeah. So this this covers industries like healthcare as well, where yep. we know and have talked about before the infrastructure in America is really broken. So yeah, yep. let's see how this plays out. We will keep an eye. <laughs> on it um but but let's talk about uh we, we things that people need and want and complain about right the apple uh mac os monterey beta uh right, I, I previewed yeah <laughs> you previewed you hated one thing about the safari redesigned avenger tell the I, world I didn't necessarily is. hate but it was it was not great so they simplified okay. safari by uh basically shoving the tabs and the menus and everything up to one toolbar at the top of at the screen but mm -hmm. very quickly like after six or seven tabs they would just become meaningless like hard to read they would just be little icons that's something that happens on every computer but it usually takes me like 10 to 15 tabs you know especially on a macbook yeah. um so that was crazy and i didn't think yeah. they could stick with that and apparently they're not right yeah yeah they're bringing it back they're they're no longer <laughs> getting rid of it by default uh, or it's fully getting rid of it. They're bringing it back. You know, it, it now it's back by default, and you have the option to hide. So this there is a tabs know. bar now below yeah. the address bar, which yeah, allows so more bad. room to show tabs because we're all tabs addicts. Come on, yes. What do you think? Yes. What do you think we are, Apple? We did Marie no. Kondo our browsers. Come on, no <laughs> they're like way. we give you tab groups. Just organize <laughs> all your stuff into tab groups. Nobody wants to do that. We're lazy, nope. and we just fill our browsers until they can't take it yep. anymore. Then we open a new window and we do yep. it again because uh, exactly. we're monsters recategorize all of that Re restart all of that uh i have session managers for this reason so um that was a nice thing to see apple kind of take heed and, and change while it is still in a beta mm -hmm. rollout situation um or beta testing situation so you know when mac os monterey does eventually officially launch it, it was the same guy who was like we, we got to put the mouse charging cable at the bottom of the mouse people it is the cleanest most oh. beautiful most design friendly way like that apple sometimes makes those boneheaded decisions that's just for design <laughs> like this looks great in a screenshot when we show it at wwdc <laughs> But actually yeah. using it, no, 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 oi, no. Oi. Now, oi, uh, give us something fun, Trillin. I know you speaking, had a fun story. Speaking of wacky design ideas, Tag Heuer, we all know mm. and love <clears throat> this company <laughs> for its connected line of smartwatches that costs $1,800 or more. These are Wear OS watches with the Tag Heuer mm -hmm. branding that cost $2,000. Anyhow, 
This oh, week, the company collaborated yeah. with, uh, with Nintendo to make a Super Mario-themed version of its connected smartwatch. So This looks really runs, good. It does look nice. I'll give <laughs> you that. Really <laughs> but if you're a Super Mario fan, it will cost $2,150 for a Tag uh. Horror Mario connected watch running Wear OS with some of the And they're only making 2,000 of these, so it's not like yes. it's going to get cheaper. It's only going to no. get rarer, basically. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's uh, it's a limited supply. It's available today. Uh, and, okay, so, I mean, do I really... So, okay, in addition to, what, like, M embossed or engraved in the knob and on the underside and on the clasp, you know, some sort of those hardware touches, mm -hmm. you also see customized watch faces that feature Mario and Mario Universe item items like the, the mushroom, the I mean, some of the floating elements in the titles and stuff like that. You'll have four new watch faces to choose from. Sure. The other thing they're doing is using Mario <laughs> to encourage you to stay active because a not a, which just this is what I thought was Does so it say funny Wahoo when I wrote every up. time you jump because I would think uh, that it wouldn't yeah. I don't think it says it out loud but it does like have does it play a Mario running noise when you run real fast like I, I would I would kind of like that to be clear I haven't seen this in person they were supposed to mm. show me one in person <laughs> still haven't anyhow um anyhow what, so the, what this I, is from a line <laughs> of watches by the way that starts at eighteen hundred dollars so this starts you know, yeah th this. Initially, this entire line that Tag Howard yeah. was dealing with is far more than the Apple uh, crazy well, leather one, right? Well, yeah. when it first came out, this line started at $2,000. The 1800 yeah. is yeah. a price dip that just started yep. recently. The Apple Watch, uh, the Series 5 Hermes Apple Watch cost $1,500. So this is like a yeah. level of yeah. smartwatch world that I just never want to deal it with. It is. It is tag. It's really just tag. It's a, it's the whole mm -hmm. watch world. It's not even just a smart watch. It's a watch world, right? There's a lot of watches out there that cost a ton of money. And this is firmly in that. Like a, almost not a Rolex level, but, you know, uh -huh. sort of that world. Anyhow, um, mm -hmm. um, the animations, yeah, they, they if you achieve your steps goals on 25, 50, 75, and 100% throughout the day, you'll get different animations. you get, like, the superstar, the super mushroom, the gold pole, etc. Um, so... I, I, I mean, that's pretty much it. The watch faces and these animations and the hardware that I discussed earlier, they are your distinction from the regular Tag Heuer Connected. Which, by the way, the company was also like, uh, we, uh, we, might, we might consider making these watch faces and animations available on other editions of the Tag Heuer Connected at a later stage. Why? This should be an Apple watch face. Like just yeah. give me give me an Apple Watch face with Mario characters. That's all. I I spent way too much money for my Apple Watch Series Four when that came out, and uh, yeah, I, I want some new character watch faces, please. Okay, you know, yeah, you never know. Nintendo should do that. But when when Tag Heuer pitched me this, they were like, "We're teaming up with a Japanese cartoon character." I'll say, "Pokemon Pikachu," but no, it's Pikachu. Mario. Um, which is also <sighs> okay. A Pikachu beloved. watch face, I, I think could do really well. Yeah, and oh, if yeah. you if you sit too long, it'll jolt you. Yeah. If you need okay. To move. Yeah. Okay. Yes. I'd be down. So please stand Anyhow. up, Jolt. <laughs> okay. You let's move on move to what we've been working up. on. What we've been working on. Oh. Uh, I am still working on the Vive Pro 2 review because I, I have had no time. Uh, I did mm -hmm. finish my Vive Focus 3 review, which I found to be like a good standalone headset. To be honest, a very comfortable and high quality one. But that thing is $1,300. And Oof. no, don't buy that. If you have, if you can get the Oculus Quest 2 for $300, uh, 
Uh, Vive is strictly for businesses right now. So cool tech, but not for you. I'm also testing out the 2021 Prius Prime as a family car. Mm. Uh, I want to get like more hands-on time with the new electrics or plug-in hybrids as this is. So this has like 30 to 35 miles of electric drive uh, along mm-hmm. with you know, a normal gas engine. So I'm, I'm enjoying it so far. Uh, mm-hmm. As a family car, though, I, I think it kind of fails. And I'll get into that in my eventual coverage. The trunk is tiny and this thing could <laughs> barely fit one car seat. So, you know, uh, this is why parents uh, typically go for bigger cars. I think you, you gotta, you got so much junk with you kids. So you got strollers, to... you got yep. bags, you got things you just got to carry around at all times. Sherlyn, what are you working on? I <laughs> am. Well, in addition to everything I talked about, all those stories, um, by, by the end of this podcast, you'll see on the Engadget website, a story I've been working on about accessibility as well. Um, I am, still sort of under embargo so i'm not going to give you more details than that but please do check out engadget.com shortly um yeah it's fine and and then and then hey next week i will be off on some break uh some time off and i'm looking forward to it uh it doesn't mean that i so yeah i'm prepping some work ahead of time for that week because there that's, is that's uh, what you have happening. to do before every vacation is do extra work exactly <laughs> the and then after when you come back is to climb back uh, up on the top okay. of the pile yes yep. but there yep. you go enjoy your time off Sherlyn everybody uh, tell Sherlyn how to relax please you can tweet at her I'm give her some suggestions and shows I think yeah <laughs> I don't know. I, I feel like if I leave you, if, if I say relax, you will find the a game to play for 12 hours Ooh. straight without eating or sleeping. Yeah. It's just true. Which I've given fine. up on Wheel of it's Fortune, true. but <laughs> it pissed me off too much. Yes. Let's move on to our pop culture picks. How about that? Yes. What are you, yeah, what are you okay. taking a break with now, pop culture wise? Yeah. So, um, I mean, it changes. But anyhow, uh, a few things to shout out before I give you my actual recommendation. One, uh, this movie called Coda that we saw around the mm-hmm. time of Sundance uh, is now released on Apple TV+. Plus. Y'all oh, should it, check it out. It's no, no, no. Coda is coming August 13th. I will not let you do another one of those Hill Damn House it. things. Okay, it's in. coming on August 13th. You can on play Apple the trailer on okay, Apple okay. TV Plus right now. But That's what it's asking in- you to play. Yeah. Okay, keep an eye out for it, August 13th uh, yes. on Apple TV+. Plus. And you watched like it, Like we right? said before. I watched yep. it uh, at Sundance, and uh, CODA stands for a section in music, but also stands for Child of Death Adults. Um, death good. Adults. It's so mm-hmm. it's really, really an important story to tell, too, I think, in this, in this country <laughs> or in this world. In this uh, world. But yeah. also kind of a typical um, coming-of-age story. So. Mm-hmm. And then uh, shout out that Loki was awesome. So there you go. Oh man, yeah. And yeah, we can talk about it next time. But well, yeah, that that'll require a spoiler cast. But uh, that that was pretty yeah. good finale. Well, we won't Finally, do that. yeah, an MCU TV series has a good ending because yeah, uh, I, I think certainly Captain uh, Cap uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier the fell Winter apart. Soldier. Yeah. Immediately. Yeah. And then WandaVision hit or miss, I think, for the ending. But yeah. I like most of WandaVision. Yeah, Loki exactly. was just great throughout. Yeah, Loki was nonstop great. Anyhow, so mm-hmm. my actual recommendation, though, this is one that Devinder's going to laugh at me for because oh uh, it's, uh, it's debatable how good this is. <laughs> so we were talking about uh, all these like post-lost um, TV shows. Are very, you can like, talk about Manifest. No, no, I already talked about Manifest. Yeah. Now, after I finished Manifest, I had to find another show in the similar thread or similar style. You had to, or because uh, there was yeah. a good tier. Because <laughs> I was like, no, I wanted to. Uh, uh-huh. So I, I found on Hulu this show called Debris. <laughs> another one word 
just yeah. like thing Random. happening in debris yeah. listen to listen to what's happening in debris <sighs> uh i know what's a, happening in debris but yeah oh, tell okay us. Oh, okay <laughs> an alien spacecraft was seen or captured through a space camera or something floating near earth or just zooming by earth but then like yeah. the debris from that ravaged spacecraft has been dropping down to our planet yeah. for for the months after and it's they all cool have concept. special properties yeah. yes it's a very cool concept science fiction wise what an interesting concept! But they all I watched have... the pilot for this, but it's it's. Ugh. I know yeah. it doesn't. It doesn't. It, it's kind of. I've read some of the reviews for it that I agree with, which is that they're building a story between the characters that actually doesn't play out that effectively. They should have just focused mm-hmm. on the episodic. Hey, here's the mystery of the week in the, the very similar suck. style of Fringe. They're just not interesting. They're just too caught up in their own on we. Yeah. It's, it's annoying a little bit for that. So I skip all of that and I just watch it for the mystery because they do come up with these clever scenarios. It's sure. it's hard to watch a movie, uh, a show that kind of like does itself dirty like this. But I, I mean, it's... I, no, I, it's I hard to watch, but you will keep watching. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, I I love the I love this. No, I love the science fiction of it. Um, but I just sure, ignore the sure. character talky bits. Did you uh, ever the, watch her, Lynn? Uh, the original, like the X Files. Did you ever watch? Yeah, original X Files back in the day. Yeah, well, not back in the day. I watched it like a few years ago. Um, okay. and that I first up- season of X Files, I feel like everybody compares everything to Lost, but it's really that first season of X Files and the way they built those characters and the mystery and the episodic right. stuff. Like I think. Everything has tried to like yeah. mimic that in certain ways. Yeah. yeah. Um, speaking of loss, I also just started watching season one onwards, like in in order, because I Good. used to just watch Good. it when it was on TV. So now I'm on Lost. So there you go. Anyway, how about you? What are you telling people to watch? I saw your recommendation and I agreed with it. A couple of things. Yeah, you'd probably like. Uh, I started watching Wellington Paranormal, yes. which is this yes. fun show. It is on HBO Max. It is a spinoff I saw the trailer. of uh, What We Do in the Shadows, that fun New Zealand horror movie that has its own TV adaptation right, <laughs> right. now. But I think... The TV adaptation of What We Do in the Shadows is a little more American, like a little more like overtly funny. This one, this show is more like dry New Zealand humor. And mm-hmm. I, I'm kind of digging it. It is just like two cops. Uh, they just, they specifically call themselves Mulder and Scully who go around um, in like a, uh, you know, mockumentary style, but go around solving supernatural mysteries. You know, oh. there's potential like ghosts there's potential people being possessed and vampires and whatnot all around this new zealand town is really chill apparently this show's from like 2018 and only recently came to hbo max so yeah it's good i just i dig it i just saw this uh thing appear on screen uh i didn't realize Mm -hmm. taika waititi was involved i mean it's his it's his series yeah it's yeah so there you go involved yeah but it's very much uh yeah new zealand style dry humor is not like the american show that is a lot more like i think overtly funny and has like just more going on it's like sharper writing uh anyway i'm digging wellington paranormal i'm also watching this new anime series called called godzilla singular point um this is my like i guess i've given up sherlin type of show um <laughs> in that it is uh listen i saw the trailer for this and i saw godzilla i saw really good animation uh bones is one of the animation studios and they've been involved like with some of my favorite shows of the year so it is about um you know two like young adults one is a researcher i think like a researcher of like paranormal type events and the other is somebody who's helping to develop this like little this like robot thing who's also like exploring 
these extraterrestrial or intraterrestrial creatures. It's a Godzilla show where Godzilla doesn't show up until like halfway through the entire season. But I think it's really interesting because it takes like an Evangelion approach to, um, you know, how would science like how would actual scientists like go about finding creatures like this? You you get some of the like traditional uh, Godzilla creatures, but they don't look the same. There's a lot of like metaphysics involved. Uh, the show's written by somebody who basically used to be an engineer. So it's like really technical and detailed at times too. So I'm digging it. Sometimes I just want my giant monsters. And, uh, you know, I, I think this is a good one. Even if Godzilla is not in it much, it's a really good looking show. So I just want to shout it out for that. Like finding good anime is hard these days. I also watched the Tomorrow War. And we uh, we did a spoiler review on the Slash Filmcast for that. This show's dumb. Like, this movie is really dumb. It's, it's really dumb, but it's competently made, right? Like, it is... Enjoyably dumb to well me. Like, I made. thought it was enjoyable. It's skillfully made to a certain degree, so you're like, sure, it's always, like, making you feel dumb as an audience member, <laughs> but I think the set pieces look good, the monsters look good. Uh, right. I hate Chris Pratt in this um, a lot I, of things still don't make sense. Like the actual yeah. setup of this entire world doesn't make sense. But what I've realized watching this, um, this is a movie where people from the future come to the past mm-hmm, to tell people mm-hmm, to come fight mm-hmm. our future wars because apparently you're just going to sacrifice yourself for the future. Nothing makes sense. Uh, yeah. But one one little spoiler thing I will say here is that uh, this is basically the Terminator future transport in like hyperdrive, right? They can like transport groups of people back and forth but when they send people into the future they just like drop them into the middle of nowhere so So like half of the people they transport back just die because you've been transported 50 feet into the air off the side of a building you just die that's it that's your contribution to the tomorrow war um it is also kind of funny it's basically like it is player unknown battlegrounds the movie because they also (laughs) send like just random people dressed in their like office work equipment, you know, just like in their business clothes to go fight the future war. So it looks hilarious and it's kind of dumb. It's a video game movie, but it's also oh, yeah. incredibly dumb. And I just could not. Did you like the, I, I I, my, one of my favorite moments was near the end where like Chris Pratt just shouts, die. <laughs> I was just like, sure. yes, that was like, sure. oh my God, so <laughs> stupid. That's so good. <laughs> Very dumb. Very dumb. Everybody watch Wellington Paranormal. That is my best suggestion so far this speaking, week. Anything else speaking, you want to add? Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of a movie that was previously recommended on this show that we've see- since seen, uh, I watched Stowaway that you recommended a long time ago yes, or a few good. weeks ago, Devendros. It was not the movie I was expecting, but it was pretty good. Definitely. Like, yeah. good, dra- good unexpected drama. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we should have asked Tarek about that because that show, yeah. that movie also tried to be very accurate in terms of what it was like. Well, that's it for the episode this week, everyone. Thank you, as always, for listening. Our theme music is by game composer Dale North. Our outro music is by our very own Terrence O'Brien. The podcast is produced by Ben Elman. You can find Davindra online at... At Davindra on Twitter and at the Filmcast. We have changed our name. We are now just the Filmcast at thefilmcast.com. You can find us on Audio Boom and on Patreon. Uh, yeah, we, we, we've had an amicable separation from FlashFilm.com. But uh, yeah, oh. check us out. We're going independent, baby. If you want to tell me how to relax and are prepared for me to ignore you all week next week, I'm at Sherlyn Lowe on Twitter. Email us your thoughts at podcast.engadget.com. Leave us a review, please, on iTunes. And subscribe on anything that gets podcasts, including Spotify.
Thanks again to our sponsor, Mouser Electronics. Not only does Mouser stock the world's widest selection of semiconductors and electronic components, they also offer an original content series called Empowering Innovation Together. Each month, EIT takes a deep dive into the hottest tech trends, and this month, the focus is on AI and edge computing. Check out podcasts, articles, infographics, video, and more at mouser.com slash empowering innovation.